0: Chapter Three of A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Veronica Shaletti. A Yankee Girl at Fort Sumter by Alice Turner Curtis. Chapter Three Sylvia in Trouble. The Hayes Plantation was about ten miles distant from Charleston on the opposite side of the Ashley River. Flora told Sylvia and Grace that the Hayes coachman would drive them out, and that they would start early on Saturday morning. Sylvia, remembering her former visit, knew well how delightful the drive would be, and thinking of the pleasure in store, quite forgot to be troubled by Eleanor Mayhew's hostility. At recess, the girls usually walked about in the garden, or tossed a ball back and forth. Miss Rosalie would sit on the broad piazza overlooking the garden, her fingers busy with some piece of delicate embroidery. Today, as they filed out and down the steps, Eleanor whispered to several of her companions, and suddenly Sylvia realized that she was standing alone. Grace Waite had lingered to speak to Miss Rosalie. Flora had been excused just before recess, as her black mammy had arrived with a note from Mrs. Hayes. The other girls were gathered in a little group about Eleanor, who was evidently telling them something of great interest. Sylvia walked slowly along toward a little summer-house where Miss Patton sometimes had little tea-parties. She hoped Grace would not stay long with Miss Patton. The other girls were between Sylvia and the arbor, and none of them moved to let her pass. Nor did any of them speak to her, as she paused with a word of greeting. Now, girls, she heard Eleanor say, and the others, half under their breath, but only too distinctly for Sylvia, called out, Yankee, Yankee!" For a moment, Sylvia stood quite still, she realized that Eleanor meant to be hateful, but she remembered that her father had said that all Americans were called Yankees, and she was not a coward. She went straight on to the arbor. Eleanor Mayhew stood on the steps. You are just as much a Yankee as I am, and you ought to be proud of it, declared Sylvia, facing the older girl. Hear that, girls, called Eleanor to the group about her. There was a little angry murmur from the others. Don't you dare say that again, Miss Boston, called Mae Bailey, who stood next to Eleanor. Sylvia was now thoroughly angry. She knew of no reason why these girls should treat her in so unkind a fashion. She felt very desolate and unhappy but she faced them bravely. "'Yankees! Yankees! It's what all Americans are!' she declared defiantly. In an instant the little girls were all about her. Eleanor Mayhew was holding her hands, and the others were pushing her along the path to the shore. The thick-growing shrubs hid them from the house. Sylvia did not cry out or speak. She was not at all afraid, nor did she resist. "'We ought to make her take it back!' said May Bailey, as Eleanor stopped, and they all stood in a close group about Sylvia. "'Of course she's got to take it back, and apologize on her knees,' declared Eleanor. "'She might as well learn that South Carolinians will not be insulted.' And Eleanor lifted her head proudly. "'I won't take it back,' retorted Sylvia. "'And you are the ones who will have to apologize—yes, every one of you, before I will ever speak to you again.' "'Hear that, girls?' "'Wouldn't it be dreadful if she never spoke to us again?' sneered Eleanor. "'She means she'll tell Miss Rosalie,' said one of the girls. "'I don't either. I can look after my own affairs,' retorted Sylvia bravely. "'I'm not a tell-tale, although I suppose girls who act the way you do would tell.'" "'Get down on your knees,' commanded Eleanor, trying to push the little girl. "'There's the bell,' and they all turned and scampered back to the house, leaving Sylvia on the path, for Eleanor had let go of her so suddenly that she had fallen forward. Her knees were hurt, and one of her hands was bruised by the fall. For a moment she lay sobbing quietly. She was angry and miserable. She had been brave enough when the girls had seemed to threaten her, but now her courage was gone. She could not go back to the schoolroom and face all those enemies. If Miss Rosalie came in search of her, she might not be able to resist telling her what had happened. And, miserable and unhappy as she was, Sylvia resolved that she would never tell. But Eleanor Mayhew and all the rest of them shall be sorry for this. Yes, they shall, she sobbed as she got to her feet and turned toward the shore. She knew she must either go straight back to the schoolroom, or else find a hiding-place until they had ceased to search for her. There was a wall at the foot of the garden, covered with fragrant jessamine and myrtle. If she could only get over that wall, thought Sylvia, she would be safe. She ran swiftly forward and began to scramble up, grasping the sturdy vines, and finding a foothold on some bit of rough brick. She reached the top just as she heard Miss Rosalie's servant calling her name. Sylvia looked down to the further side. The vines drooped over and below the wall, a high bank of sand sloped to the shore. Holding tight to the vines, she slid down, hitting her bruised knees against the rough surface. The vines cut her hands, and when she tumbled into the sand, her dress was torn and soiled, her pretty hair-ribbon was gone, and her once-white stockings were grimy. Beside these misfortunes her hands were bleeding. Never in all her life had Sylvia been so wretched. She sat quite still in the warm sand, and wondered what she could do. If she went home her mother would insist upon an explanation of her untidy condition. Beside that, Sylvia was not sure if she could find her way home unless she climbed back into the garden. She looked along the shore at the landing place not far distant where several boats were bobbing up and down in the wash of the incoming tide. She could see boats coming and going between the forts and the city. She could see grim Fort Sumter with its guns that seemed to look straight at her. She watched a schooner coming across the bay, and realized that it was coming to that very wharf. A number of men landed, and several carts came down, and boxes were unloaded, and negroes carried them to the schooner. Sylvia got up and walked along the shore until she was near the wharf, and stood watching the negroes as they lifted the heavy boxes. She wished she could ask one of them to tell her the way home. Then she noticed a tall figure in uniform coming up the wharf. It's Captain Carleton," she exclaimed joyfully, quite forgetting for the moment her torn dress and scratched hands as she ran toward him. Why, is it Sylvia Fulton, exclaimed the surprised captain, looking down at the untidy little figure. Why, what has happened? Oh, dear, sobbed Sylvia. I guess I'm lost. Well, well, it's lucky you came down to this wharf. Come on board the schooner, and we'll see to those little hands first thing. And the good-natured captain rested a kindly hand on the little girl's shoulder, and walked down the wharf. Sylvia heard the men talking of the Charleston arsenal, and of the boxes of arms which were to be taken on the schooner to Fort Sumter. The captain bathed the little hurt hands and flushed face, talking pleasantly to the little girl about the schooner, and asking her if she did not think it a much finer craft than her father's small boat. So, in a little while, she was comforted and quite at home. Now nah, sit here by the cabin window, and I will come back and take you home as soon as I settle this trouble about my supplies and The captain hurried back to the wharf. Sylvia sat quite still and looked out of the round porthole. She felt very tired and leaned her head against the cushioned wall. She could hear the monotonous chant of the negroes and feel the swaying motion of the vessel and soon was fast asleep. She did not know when the schooner was towed out into the channel, nor when the sails were hoisted and they went sailing down the bay. For Captain Carleton had entirely forgotten his little guest. When he hurried back to the wharf he discovered a little group of Charleston citizens, one of whom was Eleanor Mayhew's father, disputing the right of the United States officers to take guns from the Charleston arsenal to Fort Sumter. And when the matter was settled, He had hurried the departure of the vessel. Not until they were ready to land at the fort did he remember his little friend. He went down to the cabin and found Sylvia fast asleep. "'Poor little Yankee. I wonder what will happen to her if South Carolina really leaves the Union,' he thought, and then his face grew troubled, as he remembered that Mr. and Mrs. Fulton must be in great trouble and anxiety over the disappearance of their little daughter.' But first of all he must see the schooner's cargo safely unloaded at Fort Sumter and send his men back to Fort Moultrie. Then he would take Sylvia home or find some way to notify her parents that she was safe and well cared for. End of chapter three. Recording by Veronica Shelletti, Springfield, Missouri.